Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls. For more breakdowns on the Pelicans, including interviews with coaches, journalists, and opposing experts, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Pels fans? Thanks for joining us. This is the 88th episode of The Bird Calls. We're making our way to 100. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and today we are talking about the Pelicans' blood pressure spiking win against the Miami Heat last night in overtime in the Smoothie King Center. The Pelicans lead the league in eight, much to my chagrin, because I really just can't handle any more of these. It was in front of an announced sold-out crowd. Uh, Ali, our editor-in-chief at thebirdrides.com, he was in attendance uh, along with friends of the program, Kevin, Andrew, and David Grant who's also with us. Ali, start off by just saying, like, we, we know what the new... Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. New Orleans Saints mean to the franchise, and it's going to take seasons like this, wins like this, for New Orleans to truly buy in. What did it feel like? What was the atmosphere uh, of the crowd in New Orleans last night in the Smoothie King Center? Well, it started off, and we were talking about it, the three of us, David, myself, and uh, Andrew, in the beginning about it's a Friday night. Uh, Mardi Gras is over. There's no football. There's nothing else going on. Beautiful weather, beautiful day. Where the hell was everybody? You know, when press, like it was 10 minutes before game time and it looked like maybe what a 10th of the arena was filled. But again, as typical New Orleans crowds come in late and I would say it probably filled up to, what would you say, David, maybe close to two thirds. It was more than yeah, half. I would say maybe a little more than that. Yeah. A little yeah. more than that. It, it and it, it, you know, as raucous as it was, oh my gosh! Oh yeah, that fourth quarter press and what you're alluding to, it the place exploded. It got deafening. Where I'm staying right next to uh, Kevin on one side, David on the other, and we couldn't hear each other when we were trying to just talk to each other in a normal voice. It was fantastic. 
And of course, we've got David Grubb of Crescent City Sports, and that was Ali Cosell. Follow him at Ali Cosell. David, I know you guys spent the the first half in the press box, and the second half, you guys made your way down to Kevin, uh, kind of in the fan section, I guess we'll call it. What was the difference between watching the the game from like the bird's eye view? Very comfortable. I know that you guys get lit up there, but as, as far as the contrast between that and actually being like among the New Orleans Pelicans fan, what was the difference? And and how crazy? Go a bit deeper into detail as the game is getting to the fourth quarter at overtime you guys what what was the reaction of the crowd as all of this is transpiring well I would say the biggest thing that I noticed is it's one of the few times um in years that I would say it felt like the crowd was literally trying to push the team across the finish line like the sense of dread that a lot of us journalists (laughs) and a lot of fans too that that tend to get in those last two minutes of the game the, the fear was there. I mean, you know, there were some turnovers and things like that. And there was some, the fear was there, but at the same time, sitting in the, in the, in the crowd, you could also feel like people were optimistic. Like they really felt that they were watching a game that was going to be won. that they didn't want to see them fumble it away, but the felt the feeling was that they can win this game. They should win this game. They're going to win this game. And and a lot of times this season in the Smoothie King Center, there's been like a resignation at certain points where the crowd just says, here they go again. And that never really happened uh, last night. And that was, especially when we were sitting closer, like like Ali said, you couldn't hear, um, you know, and, and we're all, you know, you know how it is. You're, you're six inches away from each other and you couldn't hear and it never stopped, not through the timeouts, not through, um, you know, missed shots. It just kept going and building and it really did feel like a playoff type atmosphere it feels it feels like a special season much like we were enjoying with the saints this year you can just feel something take place you mentioned a sense of dread of course the pelicans after the boogie injury just such a deflating loss for a team that that had a an arrow trajectory that was just pointing straight up at the time as the team was six games over 500 when he went down that win against the rockets out outside of that injury the pelicans went on a one and five uh whatever the opposite of a tear is downward spiral and and when they came back from that against the nets another overtime uh i i don't want to say a thriller because it was anything but that you could still feel this sense of the pelicans just didn't have it they just didn't have enough and now we've seen them win four in a row the 32 and 26 they're technically just half a game back of the thunder for the five seed there there are two games behind them but the thunder have played two more games ollie will know better what that means than than I do, but Ali, does it feel like something's happening here? Obviously, you know, these, these wins have taken place against the Pistons, the Lakers, the Nets, the Heat, but you can just, you see the energy. We'll get to Anthony Davis in a minute. You see the team buying in. You've, you've got the residual side effects of guys like Czech Diallo, Mecca Okafor, the energy that we all said and clamored for. Now the Pelicans have it. Is something special beginning to develop? I think so. And it, it and it's not because it's some feeling I have. It's what I, I noticed when I wrote about my optimism for the play, Pelicans chances to make the playoffs. And that is Anthony Davis. He seems like a different player. He is showing this sort of new resiliency that we haven't seen from him, I think, ever before in his six years. As to where he's just simply putting the team on his shoulders. And Alvin Gentry yesterday in the post game comments even said that right before they went out there, the AD talked to the team. And said, come on, guys, we've got to keep going what we did the last three games. We've got to play with that type of energy and passion. And it sounds like he's becoming just more of that vocal leader. And on top of that, he's backing it up. Once again, he shot the ball over 30 times. He scored over 40 points. Whenever he's done that this year, 
Preston, I'm not even sure if they've lost. I know when he scored over 40 points, they're five and zero. But as as I'm trying to remember, but I'll look it up another time. But as to him with the usage, though, I know it, it's led to promising results. Um, as for anything else, <laughs> I got to bring this up too, David. Sorry, but then David asked uh, Alvin Gentry, also in the post game media, about <laughs> did he feel like this was a special win, trying to you know see if there was any emphasis. And I liked how Gentry responded was the fact that this was a uh, game. What was it? Game number fifty eight, and there's like twenty four more left. So there's still really a lot of games left. So it's hard to say that the team is playing like they're playing uh, to make the playoffs. Like every game is that important and vital because let's face it, p- playing for another six, seven weeks that, with that type of intensity, you'll burn out a team. So I thought he was right about that, but I know you're not asking me that Preston. So to get back to your original question, it does feel special, but you know, we haven't been privy to a lot of good, exciting moments over the last three years. So is this just, you know, average basketball and suddenly the teams on a win streak, because again, it's only four wins in a row. And granted, that's match your season high for wins in a row. But until they win like, the, you know, maybe six, seven or eight, that's what I feel like this team needs to put together. And um, they're well on their way. But until they do that, I think you've, you've got to remain reserved. Because honestly, they could have very easily lost that game to the Heat last night. Uh, they had their chances. We all saw it. They started off very sluggish, sluggishly. The Pelicans did. That's where their defense was non-existent. The Heat were just waltzing into the lane. And I swear, if the Pelicans didn't get fortunate with the Heat missing so many free throws, so many bunnies, I think we would have probably had a different result. So I feel like some good fortune happened in last night's game to contribute to that win. Um, so I don't know. I, am I trying to talk myself out of the Pelicans being on, on some kind of magical ride or not? I'm not sure. And that's probably a good thing. I think that's the approach everybody needs to take. Uh, we've got to sit back. There's 24 more games left. There are so many teams, as we all know, crammed up there. Uh, in this Western Conference race, just separated by two two losses, I think. Now, was it San Antonio's got twenty four losses? Right. Yeah, and then everybody else. There's a streak of teams with twenty five and twenty six and twenty seven with the Clippers and the Jazz. So, yeah, Preston. I mean, I want to say it's special, buddy. I really do, but I just think you, you can't get your hopes up too high. You got to take right. it like you know a player does. You can't get too high. You can't get too low. All right. We're going to pump the brakes on that for a second. It's it's just this eye test that's starting to develop with me. With the heat up by eight, I want to say with four and a half minutes left. I don't know. There's just this confidence developing that the Pelicans may not necessarily win the game, but they're going to pull back and they're going to have a chance in the final 60 seconds to, in fact, win it. And a lot of that has to do with Anthony Davis now being paced at 36 minutes and uh, the majority of his minutes coming in the first and the fourth quarter. So you know the fourth quarter is going to come with a surge. Grub, I, I want to talk to you about the Pelicans as a whole. Last night, they shot four. 44% from the floor, 25% from three. The Heat were 46 and 33. They won in the paint 70 to 62. And, and what I'm alluding to is, is this team is changing. We've gone from seventh to third in pace. Uh, we've gone from fourth to 11th in offensive rating, 29th to 19th overall. The defensive rating has climbed from 29 to 18 in just the past two months. This team is evolving. It's beginning to play a different style of basketball. Um, and obviously this is due in part to Boogie being out. But even before that, in the, in the past two months, we're seeing these guys clamp down defensively. Why is this team changing at this point in the season, Grub? All right, folks, sorry for the technical difficulties. We are back with David and uh, basically everything I just asked. David, <laughs> talk about how this team is evolving at this point in the season. Well, um, I think that they've picked up their pace offensively. 
Um, we've seen that uh, they're they're being much more aggressive on that end. And I, I think Ali um, was exactly right when he talked about the aggressiveness of Anthony Davis being a big part of that. But the defensive change um, has been very important. And you see, I think since they've changed the rotations and especially, I mean, even since uh, uh, Boogie went down, they've even gotten better defensively than they were over the previous few weeks. So I think they're what seventh um, in the league over the last 10 games or so uh, defensively. So, I mean, you know, this team has has gotten back to what the identity had talked about at the beginning of the season. You know, the stress was we have to start everything defensively and the offense will be there. Well, for most of the season, it felt like really only Drew Holiday was attempting to play defense. Um, and he was playing it at an extremely high level night to night, but you were getting inconsistent defense from Anthony, inconsistent defense from DeMarcus, inconsistent defense, of course, from Rondo. And and that, I think, was hampering the team, and it has, has continued to hamper the team from establishing one of those eight- or nine-game win streaks. But last night, though they were really struggling at keeping Miami out of the paint, and especially with Goran Dragic, they had a, 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 a tremendous matchup problem there. Um, there were times when they needed to get a stop that they were able to get a stop. Uh, and they didn't let Miami, with all the struggles that the Pelicans were having, they didn't let Miami get out so far in front that they couldn't come back and take a lead. And the third quarter was not a disaster. I mean, you start anticipating, okay, well, the third quarter started and Miami started to to get a little momentum. And then you, and then you saw the Pelicans take a lead um, by continuing to just hammer away. One of the biggest things that I that that I would take away is that Alvin Gentry preached all has preached all season long about playing 48 minutes, and to me, last night the Pelicans played 48 plus five, 53 minutes. They played them all. They weren't all great, but the effort was there for the 53 minutes, and I think that's a huge thing for this team to get to the point where they don't have lapses of effort. Um, even though you're going to have mental lapses with this team, you're going to have moments when they don't make shots. But if they continue to battle and fight for 53 minutes or 48 minutes on a regular game, then I think that they can, they can be more successful. And I think that you're seeing more of that as of late. Yeah, and we'll talk a bit more about that and some of the late game decision making and third quarter decision making specifically. Uh, Kevin and I were were talking a bit on Twitter about uh, the Pelicans needing to go back to the pick and roll. And finally, they did with Drew and Anthony Davis, and it just proved lethal for the Miami Heat. Uh, we've put it off long ago, uh, long enough, Ollie, uh, excuse me, Anthony Davis. 45, 17, 5, and 5. The first player to ever do that since 1973 and 74 when steals and blocks became an official statistic. He was 17 of 34 uh, from the field, 10 of 11 from the free throw line. He did dip back. uh, His three-point percentage kind of went back to the mean. He shot just one for six after having gone eight for 13 in the past three games. But he just kind of quietly asserted his will the entire game. He played 36 minutes just as Alvin Gentry uh, at that time that he's been trying to allot to him. And of course the five minutes in the overtime period after that brought him to 41, but Anthony Davis is putting it all together. And it was, it was so wonderful at the end of the game, see him just like tearing his chest, having fun again, uh, high five in the crowd on his way out of the smoothie King center. I'm going to ask you this, Ollie, and you can take it from, from here. When are we going to start hearing about Anthony Davis in the MVP conversation? We've already started at Preston. These last four games have been better than almost any MVPs ever put up. Now, granted, it's only been four games, but it's been otherworldly. Over 40 points a game, over, you know, right around 15 rebounds a game, uh, four steals, three uh, blocks a game. I mean, he's just putting up total fantasy type of numbers. And 
there's there's kind of now a sense of belief that I have that he can actually maintain a super high level play, not this type of level play. I don't think anybody's capable of this for a 25, 30 game stretch, but I think what he was talking about, that whole Russell Westbrook mentality, I think we have to start believing him. I had kind of tried to do uh, on our last podcast to give, you know, some kind of credence to or belief that he could possibly do it. He's trying to motivate himself. And sure enough, I think he is. And Preston, you talked about him having a quiet performance last night. I think anything but. I thought he was explosive. He did not settle for those mid-range jumpers. He had Hassan Whiteside matched up with him for at least half of those possessions. You know what he did? He took it to the rim a lot of times. Uh, granted, he didn't make everything, but he either got up, got to the free throw line or made enough as to where he shot at a good uh, percentage. So he is playing with not only just this energy and effort, but it's this aggressiveness, this I am going to do what I do to the best of my abilities and come and try and stop me. And I swear we have not seen him do that on a consistent basis for the previous six years. Um, I don't know what sparked it, but before that, it looked like he had not given up on the season, but he was playing at maybe a quarter of the speed, quarter of the effort. And honestly, that whole DeMarcus Cousins thing hit the team like a lightning bolt. And nobody showed that the effect of that more than AD did. But wow, I don't know whether somebody talked to him uh, before that Brooklyn Nets game, whether he just had some kind of, you know, Zen moment. Something came to him, and now he is just was the boogie phone call. DMVP. What's that? Was the boogie phone call? Uh, I don't know, Preston. I think he, you know this guy's got everybody in his ear. You think really one guy's going to do? I think it just was right. a moment of realization for AD, honestly. And it's great to see that's exactly what the team needed. That was the only way they're going to make the playoffs is if he plays like an MVP, and he he is four straight games of just incredible performances. Guess what? Four straight wins. And the Pelicans, as David was just talking about, it's it's the effort and what you touch on, Preston, the defense. They're winning with a different type of identity. Since January 1st, guess who's got the the, the second worst three-point shooting percentage in the league? The Pelicans. Wow. Yet four, they're 14 and eight over that span. They have found something else. They are riding AD. They're finding ways to win. It's incredible, really. It's, it's such a change from what we saw over the first two, three months. Now the yeah, numbers. Are, let me let oh, me I'm just sorry. get this in real quick, Rob. Uh, forty-two point three, fourteen point eight, two assists, four steals, three blocks, and two point uh, three three-pointers per game in the last four. Uh, go ahead, Grub. I just saying, I I think one of the the really interesting things about um, watching this team right now is that you know we we've seen Etwan more kind of you know regress back to his uh, career levels. And, you know, Darius Miller has been, uh, you know, last night he was ineffective pretty much. Um, but guys are understanding their roles much better, even though there were times last night, I think, we, where we looked at each other and, and were wondering about the rotation, um, why guys were in at certain moments. But when the guys come on the court, um, generally they've been – they understand what they're supposed to do. And I think another big part of this has been integrating – um, Nikola Miritich into the lineup and his ease in accepting his role and in um, playing, whether it's off the bench or as a starter, defending people in the post, giving an effort to defend on the perimeter. I think that has helped a lot too. his attitude, what he's brought to the table. And then you can't talk enough about what Emeka Okafor has brought to the table with his professionalism, his defensive effort, his willingness to do the dirty work, to play 17 minutes and get five blocks, 
and seven boards last night and to really energize his team and the crowd by blocking Hassan Whiteside on a, you know, and, and a couple other guys on dunk attempts. I mean, not just, you know, layups. He was, he was putting back effort dunks um, with his strength. And I, I think when you have guys who are demonstrating that kind of effort defensively, I think that's the biggest way to get cohesion because the shots are going to fall or they're not, but you can control your defensive effort every night. And they have three guys now besides Drew. And I think that that's carried over to Anthony as well um, to where Anthony is understanding that he can be a first team, all defensive guy. Drew should definitely be in consideration for a first team, all defensive position. And then you have guys who are willing to get there and get their uh, hands dirty. All right, let's let's bring it back to Anthony Davis for a moment, uh, because like Ali said, he's putting up otherworldly numbers. Ali mentioned his performance last night as explosive when I framed it as quiet. And I think Alvin Gentry puts it a little bit better than I did. What he said was, I tell you, I thought he had a pretty good game and that I'd never know how many points anybody would have. But I looked at the stat sheet when we were walking in and I couldn't believe he had 45 points. He said, that's not really a good thing because I think now I'm almost taking him for granted. Not going, wow, he had 45, just like, Hey, that's Anthony. He finds a way. And Emeka Okafor also framed it pretty well, saying that these aren't real numbers. These are these are video game numbers. And the reason that I want to keep this back on Anthony Davis, we're going to get to Drew Holiday, Ian Clark's insane first half, and of course the production we've gotten from Emeka, Emeka Okafor and Rod uh, Walker's report that uh, he thankfully is probably going to stay with the Pelicans for the remainder of the season. We're not just seeing MVP type performances. This this kind of uh, to to compare it to to. Kobe Bryant's uh, 30 games straight, I, I think with 30 points or more, uh, Kevin Durant had had a similar statistic. We're, we're seeing numbers that nobody has ever put up in the history of game here in New Orleans. Anthony Davis is is beyond putting up MV points at this at this point. He's making history, and it's really incredible, and we have no idea if he can keep it going. He's only missed six out of 58 games, and he's never missed more than seven in the season. So at some point, he's going to miss at least one more game, you'd have to think. Uh, also, with the, the minute threshold he's been putting up, obviously he's been back to 36 minutes a game recently, but with eight overtime games, I want to say five or six in the past five weeks, um, hopefully he doesn't break down and he can keep this level of production up. But I just wanted to give, uh, and, and we have given as much praise as Anthony Davis probably needs. We, we can move on at this point. Ali, let's give out a couple of grades. Um, like you guys were saying, Nikola Meritich uh, offensively didn't have his best, his best game last night. So too, Darius Miller was 0 for 5. Walter Lemon was uh, kind of disastrous in his brief appearance, just four minutes. Etwan Moore has been quiet of late. But Drew Holiday, the game-winning uh, runner with, I want to say, 7.3 seconds to go. And Ian Clark, an, an unlikely hero, 9 of 11 in 38 minutes, single-handedly kept the Pelicans in that game as the Heat tried to run away from it in the first half. Scored 19 of his 21 points in that half. Ali, talk about some of our role players. Who surprised you? Who kind of let you down? And more specifically, were you impressed with Ian Clark's confidence in that first half? Yeah, it was, man. <laughs> David, yeah, of course he's laughing. David kept on looking at me after every make Ian knocked down in the first half. I was like, I told you so. I told you so. You know, obviously I'm referring to the last podcast where he was giving Ian Clark a lot of props. And I was like, well, Ian Clark's really been struggling of late. Well, looks like for a, for a game, David was 100% right. Ian Clark pressing completely impressed me. He came off the bench with this aggressive attitude and he, he wasn't shy and he just kept on launching them. 
And guess what? Every single shot he put up went in. Eight of nine in the first half shooting. And he alone, I think, was the reason the Pelicans were able to come back and win. Simply because he kept them within striking distance all through that first half. Alvin Gentry was right. The team did not have that typical flow on offense, as we saw with Darius Miller not making a shot. Nikola Miritich, who I thought really resembled Ryan Anderson out there, he was looking just to really shoot long contested three pointers. It was, you know, I'm, I'm, it's got to be an aberration. I got to think, but again, that was a little bit troubling, but again, he had a big key three pointer there in overtime and wow, without that block on Dwayne Wade, I think the Pelicans would have lost. They would have gone if Wade converts that and Miritich doesn't block it. They're up like four with about a minute and 20 to go. So he came up big. Uh, so I, I can't knock him for his shooting. But, yeah, Preston, overall, um, Ian Clark surprised me. I was a little bit let down again, even though I shouldn't be, by each one more. I don't know. This guy keeps getting thrown out there for 30, 30-plus minutes a game, and he's just not contributing. Um, I think Alvin's got to give him a lot more breaks coming down the stretch. Hopefully Darius Miller, somebody, somebody. Obviously he's got to play somebody, and Darius Miller wasn't performing. He even got yanked at one point. We noticed that in the second half where he was out there not for a minute, and he was back on the bench, so – Besides his shooting, obviously, he was doing something else wrong to get under the co- coach's skin. Um, but the Pelicans really, I mean, and that's why I allude to in the recap, they, they only there was only about four or five names that really stepped forward and played. Well, as for the rest of the team, they didn't. Sheik Diallo was, you know, just non-existent in his minutes. Rondo, who had a lot of great assists. Other than that, I don't know what else he really did out on the floor. So, um, yeah, Preston, I want I, to give a lot of A's, but then, again, there's a lot of, like Walter Lemon, for instance, that's just an incomplete. The guy's a rookie. You got to give him butterflies, man. I, I would have had him playing your first NBA game and you're known for hops and taking on the rim. Of course, you're going to try and score. And he said hello to Mr. Whiteside. So, um, but other than that, Preston, yeah, the rest of the team did not play well. And that's what I'm taking away from this win was the fact that Anthony Davis played like a superstar. And then there was a couple of great performance like by Drew Holiday and uh, Emeka Okafor and Ian Clark, but the rest of the guys really didn't do much. So I think that's a positive in itself as to where the, the team can play better. They can do more. There's a lot more in the tank because, uh, you know, not everybody was firing. Well, somebody who can't do more, Drew Holiday, he had 29-9 and 7, 14 points in the fourth and OT. Uh, coming up with those timely baskets, the pick and roll utilizing so efficiently with Anthony Davis in that time. Came up big when the Pelicans needed him most. When the defense was rotating over to Anthony Davis, Davis's side of the court, Drew Holiday gave the Pelicans the points that they needed at that time. Uh, just to go back, uh, some of the numbers I was talking about, Kobe and, and Durant's 30-point uh, consecutive games. I looked it up. Kobe had 16, and Kevin Durant had 11 consecutive 30-point games. The all-time record for most 40-point games is nine. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Will Chamberlain is above them on that list at 14, but I don't think anybody's ever catching that number. So let's let's try to go after Durant, Jordan, and Kobe here. Talk about Drew Holiday uh, here for a second, David Grubb. Um, obviously, Anthony Davis is is the MVP of this, seat, uh, of this team, potentially of the entire NBA as a whole. But Drew Holiday, we we keep bringing up the all-star game and who he could have potentially replaced. And I I think if this level of play continues, it's irrefutable. This guy is an all-star. He potentially belongs on the all-NBA defensive team. Uh, I'm not sure how many teams they have. All-NBA, they have three. All-defense, I guess they have three as well because Tony Allen was on the second team last year. Just talk about Drew Holiday, his level of production, stepping up his game. These were the type of moments when he would give the careless turnovers against the Denver Nuggets last year where he 
had two in the final minute. The San Antonio Spurs, where Kawhi Leonard just picked his pocket uh, last season. He's not doing that anymore, David. Well, even even um, the thing uh, we noticed last night was that he did recover from a, from a big mistake because when we got to that final two minutes, you know, Ali, Andrew, and I were looking at each other, and Drew made a turnover, and we're like, "See, there it goes." And, and you just have that feel, okay, he did it. But he recovered from that in order to get, um, you know, the team in position to go to overtime. So where before, I think Drew probably would have kind of recoiled after the mistake or maybe gotten more cautious, he continued to press on. And then the adjustment that he, and along with Gentry, who talked about that after the game on the, the final play and saying that we've been going to the pick and roll and every time you're going to Anthony, take it yourself. For him to to go into the lane the way he did and put that shot up with the confidence. I mean, it wasn't one of those shots where you see from Drew where it's rushed or he, he I mean, he knew that that was the shot he wanted and he took it and, and it became the game winner. I think what we're seeing out of Drew is it's no longer that thing where you hear guys after the game saying we have to push Drew. We want Drew to be Drew. We want Drew to do these things. I mean, he's that was his 27th 20 point game last night. He had 18 all of last year. And he played 60, what, uh, he played 70 games last year, um, about 60, about 68 games last season. And we're at game 50, 58 this year, and he's already well past his, his high in 20-point games. So, I mean, his aggressiveness offensively, but then we've seen him develop continue, uh, still as a point guard because he had the nine assists. And he still has those turnovers that he makes that, that, you know, on a couple of bad passes, poor decisions, but that's the Pelicans do that. They had 16 turnovers, I think, as a team. But you, the thing you're seeing about Drew is there's an, a steadiness and evenness to the way he's playing, um, a quiet confidence in his ability. Uh, I, I don't see him being intimidated by the other player across from him on any night. Whoever the guard is that he's facing, I think he feels like he can do what he needs to do. His shot selection has been good. He only took three threes last night, went one for three. He's So he's not just settling for jump shots. And he's going to the paint extremely hard. You're seeing more dunks out of Drew this year than, than I think I had seen in his previous four years combined. It's just, it's a mindset that he's gotten. And I think it, you know, the way Ollie was talking about it, Anthony's mindset has changed. Drew's mindset has certainly changed as well. I think it's a byproduct of Boogie in one way, but I think also it's part of, since the injury too, these guys are not in the position that they were last year where they weren't competing for anything. But when you have Anthony and Drew competing for a playoff spot, still they're engaged and they feel like they have a chance. And so they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. And I think that that's a good thing for Drew, especially. Ali, Emeka Okafor in 18 minutes last night, just four shots, but he had seven rebounds and he had, more importantly, five blocks. In addition to that, Rod Walker of The Advocate is reporting that the Pelicans are likely going to term him for the remainder of the year, and we are rightly excited about that. Uh, Going into last night's matchup, Alvin Gentry uh, wouldn't announce who his fifth starter was going to be between he and Meritich until just moments before the game. How do you feel about that, and should we expect Okafor to start every game going forward? I think we should expect it because guess what? The Pelicans haven't lost since he's moved in the starting lineup. Um, Anthony Davis gets to start the game at his favorite position the four. He doesn't have to bang up against any of the centers for, you know, what is it? Roughly whatever Mecca plays route 18 to 20 minutes a game. So there's nothing but positives here because Okafor is not um, detrimental at all to the team's impact. They still run with a good pace. 
They still um, do everything they want to offensively. Even though Mecca, he had his worst game by far in terms of trying to get a tip and just trying to score points last night. I feel like he just got very unlucky on a few of those tips that just didn't go down for him. But he provided in those other areas that the Pelicans sorely need. The rebounding on the glass, it's, it, it seems like it was before Mecca, AD or bust after Boogie went down. And the shot blocking, wow, that, that's been the biggest revelation. This guy at 35 years of age, his timing is exquisite. He isn't. He was never the biggest leaper. He was never that most athletic specimen. He wasn't Dwight Howard in his prime. But what Emeka always relied on was these great instincts. He's a very intelligent ball player. And it's just amazing to see how great his timing still is. He's absolutely at the top of his shape, at the top of his game. Um, and, and this is one thing he always tells the media is as to why it took him so long to come back was he simply didn't feel ready. Doctors had supposedly cleared him for a couple of years, so he could have come back at a much earlier time, but he himself just didn't feel like his body was ready. Well, it looks like the man knows what he was talking about because he's just jumped right in as though he's never, you know, skipped a beat, didn't miss four years, much less being 35 years of age. He's an amazing landing or amazing find, excuse me, by Del Damps. And for him to land on his team, it's been the perfect, perfect situation. Boogie's rebounding was going to be almost impossible to replace yet. The Pelicans, I feel like, have done that with the, both the Miritich and the Mecca Okafor. And uh, both of those players combined will also then give you all any kind of the defensive uh, stats or, you know, defense in the paint that Boogie was providing as well as the points. So I feel like Dell Dems couldn't have hit a bigger home run in trying to cover up for the loss of DeMarcus Cousins. And it's just, you know, it's a cherry on top to hear that the Pelicans are going to go ahead and sign Okafor for the rest of the season because it's a no-brainer move. Great move. He said after the game, my role as of now is just do the little things, you know, play good defense, grab rebounds. It it feels great that we're winning, and I feel like I'm contributing in some form or fashion, but I'm just falling back on my go-to of when in doubt, play good defense, and just rebound the basketball and run. That's how he's going to make himself comfortable before he starts, uh, you know, really playing on the offensive side of the floor. We only saw four shots, and a lot of those were uh, were potential tip-ins, and co- uh, with with that being said, Nikola Miritich uh, played a very similar game, just four of 10 on the night. He was very quiet in 35 minutes, 10 points and and nine rebounds. But in, in addition to that, he had two very big threes at the end of the fourth and in OT that pulled the Pelicans uh, back to, I, I think it was a tie game at that point in both instances. And of course, Drew Holiday put them over the top. But I think we're seeing, David, that when these guys play hard and when they box out and when they, you know, chase around picks good things happen for the pelicans talk about how okafer and meritage don't necessarily need to score a lot of points if all these guys can contribute in a different variety of ways yeah i I think you know we've talked ad nauseum about the lack of depth that the team had for most of the season where they were basically playing seven guys and um now to have okafer and meritage especially after um you know the cousin's injury you have some more flexibility And like you said, to have Anthony not be forced to play um, center and and take that beating. And and, and it was really instrumental last night because I think Hassan Whiteside doesn't foul out if you don't have, you know, Mecca Okafor, if you don't have Miritich out there, if you don't, if you don't have the aggression um, uh, that the team played with in attacking the basket themselves. And ultimately I think, you know, with, with Whiteside fouling out, that influences whether or not Drew makes that final shot because he's not there to, to defend it. And, uh, you know, so those guys have really made uh, 
the the little things come back to the surface. And when before those were guys like, you know, Solomon Hill was the guy who would always preach that. Tony Allen preached that at the beginning of the season. So you have to have those guys, those guys who are willing to to make a difference uh, in ways that don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet, um, but also who are smart enough to stick with it. And that's what I think you saw out of Meritage because there were times, where, like I said, it, where it kind of seemed like he was just out of the flow of the offense. He wasn't in the right position. He wasn't really getting anything off movement, but he stuck with it. And he knew when the shots would cut, when he, there were open opportunities, like said, in the fourth and in overtime, he was going to be confident enough to, to still take that shot. And that's what professionals do. Uh, they they know that, that they have a job and a responsibility. And, and the professionalism of, of this team, is at a level that it, that it had not been at, I think, over the last two years. Not that guys weren't professionals, but I think because of all the myriad of issues that were going around with the franchise, the fact that they've been relatively healthy and the fact that you have guys whose attitudes, even an Ian Clark, who may, you know, who, who fits in um, and has just an amazing attitude about how to play uh, with his teammates. And a DeAndre Liggins, who is a quiet, quiet guy, but, you know, the team is fully engaged with him as well. Every one of these guys now, Sheik Jallo um, included in that too, they're all engaged and invested in this season. And you have to have that even when you don't have great players from 1 to 12. If everybody's engaged, you can be greater than the sum of your parts. Yeah, David, that's – I just real quick person want to say that is what gives people the idea or the feeling that this could be something special building here. It's the fact that you see how the teammates that aren't in the game, they've got arms around each other as the game's, you know, winding down the final few minutes, living each possession, and they're rooting for each other. They're all getting playing time. This is something we have not seen under Alvin Gentry. Normally when the team's been healthier, he's always like those shortened rotations, but now he's utilizing everybody. And for the most part, he's getting that production. So, yeah, that to me, you know, it just reminded me of when you asked me about what's special. That, that, that gives off that vibe. So I just wanted to include that real quick. Yeah, and Ali's asking on Twitter, he says, will Nikola Meritich and Emeka Okafor prove to be another midseason boost in the playoffs, just like Quincy Pondexter and Norris Cole were in 2014 and 15, and hopefully we'll even be adding Solomon Hill uh, to, the, to that list of, of guys coming in to help the squad when they need them most. In addition to that, we've got a question from Kumar before we move on from Emeka Okafor. I'll start it with Ali. Is Emeka a better poster blocker than Jason Smith? Absolutely. The way Eka gets his blocks, he does not give up ground. He stands directly in front of you between the rim and the man that's coming towards the rim on the drives. And you know what? There's not anybody better that makes sure he does not pick a personal foul. I don't know how he does it, but he contorts his body, yet he uses his great um, wingspan to somehow get that block at the apex of the uh, the opponent's you know jump, whatever you want to call it, and his leap. It's a sight to behold because every time I feel like the uh, the uh, offensive players got a step on Emeka, you know, he's already in the air. Emeka seems to be kind of underneath the rim almost on a lot of these blocks. Somehow he comes up with that perfectly timed block, and he never picks up that foul. It's amazing. So, yeah, I think he is a better poster blocker simply because he puts himself up, um, you know, very vulnerable position as for he's right next to the rim where usually, you know, a lot of centers, they'll, they may attempt these blocks and end up getting dunked on. I haven't seen – have you guys seen Emeka get dunked on yet? No. So Emeka's timing, it, it makes for these spectacular poster blocks, which if you guys haven't seen yet, I know David 
uh, posted one of yesterday. He recorded it at the game yesterday and posted it up on his uh, Twitter account. So be sure to watch it because all of Omeka's blocks are like that. They're these big at the apex, momentum shifting type of uh, block shots that just, you know, you don't see that often anymore in the NBA. But Omeka's, every time he does it, it, it you know, it happens every time uh, when he gets registers these block shots. So I don't know. I'm just excited. I don't know. Guys, I'm really excited about the way this team's coming together and what Emeka's doing, what everybody's doing. Uh, that you know, we we uh, we were just when was it? Just just d- during two weeks ago, and they were lost five or six. Everything looked like the season was lost. It, it's now suddenly just completely done a role reversal for the team as to where now it seems like the sky is almost the limit, despite not having Boogie. So it, I don't know, Preston. I'm excited, man. <laughs> Grub, it's a little bit uh, early to start scoreboard watching, but with that being said, the Pelicans, in terms of their loss total, are are tied with the Minnesota Timberwolves, the fourth-seeded team right now, and I bring this up, of course, because we've had some some injury updates that Jimmy Butler has a meniscus tear in his knee, and prognostications are all over the place from three weeks to two months in terms of when he could possibly return. So that that could be a, a dramatic that could have a dramatic effect on the Western Conference with potentially Tyus Jones coming in to uh, to the backcourt with with Jeff Teague or potentially moving Andrew Wiggins up there and finding a new player to start at the three. Uh, you've got Todd Gibson and, and Bielitsa spelling at the four. It's it's going to change things. In, in addition to that, the San Antonio Spurs might be without Kawhi Leonard for the remainder of the season in front of the Pelicans. Now you've just got. The Blazers, the Nuggets, and the Thunder, who are getting healthier at this point with the Nuggets uh, soon getting Paul Millsap back. Talk talk about the Western Conference. Obviously, anything can happen. We're getting excited because we're on a four-game win streak. But but coming up right now, if I can just read the schedule for you guys. Uh, so the Pelicans, of course, have the Milwaukee Bucks tomorrow in Milwaukee. Then they come back home for the Suns. The Bucks have won three of four, and they're in their own race. The uh, six seed currently at 33 and 25. They've just gotten Jabari Parker back. I think they've had him for about two and a half weeks now. Then the Pelicans have the Spurs in San Antonio, then the Mavericks, then the Clippers, who have been good of late. They've won three of four. And then the Kings, there's there's the potential to make up some ground in the Western Conference right now, David. How how confident are you in terms of seeding? You know, the Western Conference to me and, and the NBA as a whole, you know, the injuries have just been have have affected this season for so many teams. And and it's, you know, we have Pelicans fans who say, well, if we had DeMarcus right now, we could be the third seed. Well, you know, potentially the Pelicans could be the third seed without DeMarcus. Like you said, there's, they can uh, come together. And if they continue to play consistently, I, you know, I don't think they're going to win the next 24 games in a row. But if they continue, continue to play consistently, they could, they could earn a third seed because of the injury situation out West. Um I think, you know, really you, you talk about Golden State and Houston and and we figure they're going to finish one, two. But from there on, it really does become almost a battle of health. And as you said, it it, it seems like the hottest teams are the Pelicans, the Jazz, who lost and had their win streak finally snapped. But, uh, you know, outside of those two, you, you, nobody else is going, has the potential really to run away. I don't see Oklahoma City running away from anybody. I don't see Minnesota now with losing uh, Jimmy Butler, who's probably their MVP this season, uh, running away from anybody. So the Pelicans are in a very good position. And it's time now to not lament what could have been, but to look at what is 
and what is is a potentially very good team and a team that can get a top four seed in the West and maybe host the first round series. And then if that's the case, possibly advance to the second round. I wouldn't have said that two weeks ago. Well I said. wouldn't have believed that two weeks ago. I wouldn't you maybe even a week and a half ago, you know. I mean, but after what's happened in the league over the past few days and watching this team play more, um, you know, consistently, especially during this win streak, you have to believe that they've got as good a shot as anybody to finish in the top four out West and, and really still make noise without DeMarcus. David, hands down this stretch, this four game winning streak, hands down easily their biggest um, stretch where they're playing with the most sense of urgency, correct? Not even, remotely close to anything else they've done this season right right because even to me the eight out of ten in january you know felt a little bit like fool's gold because of the teams that they were playing um but i think now because of where they are situationally uh and the fact that you know you to what they did against a miami team that was disciplined the that is also a playoff caliber team mm-hmm. at home, a place where they, had, you know, we know they've struggled all year to win against quality teams at home to do that. It felt different. Mm-hmm. And I, that's not a quantifiable thing. There's no way to judge it, but it felt different. It felt different being in the locker room. It felt different talking to Alvin. It felt different uh, in the building. And sometimes there are turning points. I don't know if it'll be magical. I don't know if that's the word. We'll have to see how it plays out. But it's certainly a, a better feeling than you've had with this team since they lost in the playoffs two-plus seasons ago. And I want to be clear about something. We're fangirling right now, but it's not going to get any easier from this point going forward. Every one of these contests has been a battle. The Milwaukee Bucks, the last time we faced them, I was actually in attendance sitting right next to the glorious Kevin Berrios, and Ollie joined us later. And that one was was a battle that went down to the wire. This is not going to get any easier. The Pelicans are going to continue experimenting. We saw Walter Lemon Jr. in the lineup over DeAndre Liggins last night. Uh, and, of course, the Pelicans have to continue to stick with their game plan, moving the ball uh, we, we saw a lot of ball stopping last night in the third quarter and fourth quarter specifically. Once they started instituting the pick and roll, things started developing. They've got a, they've, they picked up their defense on the perimeter and overall in general, but by running over these screens now, they've run into a new problem. Teams are attacking the paint. So still a lot is going to continue to develop, and it all starts on Sunday at 3 p.m. against the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Again, this time in his home court uh, with Jabari Parker at his side and and Eric Bledsoe, and then following the Suns, Ali, these games are going to be important because these are games that that the Pelicans potentially have to. I mean, from here on out, we've got twenty four games left. Every single game is important, but this one is just as important as the rest of them. And then the Suns, of course, back home on the second night of a back to back in the Smoothie King Center on Monday. And congratulations to our winner. I'm not sure the name of the contest, but Kevin Berrios is in touch with him, giving him four lower bowl seats in section 116. I want to say, talk about these two games, Ali. Talk about what the Pelicans need to continue doing to shut down this explosive team. Giannis has has no fear of Anthony Davis or anybody else for that matter, and they've been tough at home this year. Talk about this matchup. Oh, it's a tough one, Preston, because their best player is our biggest weakness, and that's small forward. Um, we don't have anybody that can match up with him, period. It's going to take another Drew Holiday-like performance like he had against Paul George in that impressive win in Oklahoma City about, what, three, three and a half weeks ago. Um, outside of that, I'm expecting Giannis just to go ahead and go off with 30 points, you know, over 10 rebounds, probably drop another seven dimes. He's going to get his. There's nothing really the Pelicans can do 
outside of maybe just don't let him get a bunch of easy ones at the rim. Don't get to the free throw line for, you know, eight to 10 plus attempts. That would really hurt. So you got to think Giannis is going to be tough, but you've also then got to, if you're going to just go ahead and try and contain Giannis with one player like Drew, you got to make sure other guys aren't going to go ahead and destroy them like Chris Middleton from the perimeter or give Eric Bledsoe a bunch of lanes or have John Henson parading around, picking up offensive rebounds. You, you got to, make sure and contain this very good buck squad, which I'm very impressed. I didn't see any of the game. I saw some highlights, but they beat, you know, the, I think the best team in the Eastern conference right now. And that's the Toronto Raptors on their home court uh, with an impressive win, 122 to 119. So they're, they're coming in hot. It looks like they use the break. Well, they're rested and they're playing well. So tomorrow, I mean, I don't like the Pelicans odds to be honest with you. I know on our last podcast, I said, said three, no, because I thought the Bucks had not been playing well, that they had beaten up on weaker competition. But last night's win over the Raptors really changes that thinking. So the Pelicans are going to once again have to be ultra special. AD is going to have to be MVP-like. They're going to have to get awesome performances from either Drew or Nicola, or probably both. But uh, I'm not expecting too much of a win. But the Phoenix Suns, they've got to take care of business with them. Just like the Clippers did, who lost, uh, what was it? forget who they lost to on on Thursday, but they went ahead and whipped up on the Suns on the second night of a back-to-back last night, and that's exactly what the Pelicans have to do. If they can go ahead and go one-and-one over these next two games, that's a win in my book. Now I'm looking up the numbers. Sorry about that. I'm looking up the numbers right now on uh, what what the – the Milwaukee Bucks were able to do. And it appears that they're bringing Japari Parker off the bench at this point. He's got to be a lethal six man for these guys. Not sure how his knee is developing, but just having him in addition to Chris Middleton. And I remember specifically the last game, Malcolm Brogdon was a slasher and had a, had a wonderful runner and a bevy of moves on the offensive court that you just don't anticipate. Guy just knows how to play the game the right way. The Pelicans are going to have their hands full. And, and, and we've seen a variety of different heroes emerge for the Pelicans, like we saw Ian Clark, the latest instance. Uh, and that hero has, other than Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis, of course, has gone from Miritich to Ian Clark to Etwan Moore to Darius Miller. Who's going to be that hero if the Pelicans can pull this off in uh, other than their, their two megastars there, David? It's going to have to be either Miritich or Darius Miller, um, I think, uh, because the Bucks are so deep at guard and at um, the big positions at power forward and center. Um, I think, you know, and the Pelicans don't have a lot of depth at those spots, you know. Um, so I think it's going to take guys like who, who can shoot um, and create some opportunities. And that's what Miritich and, and of course, we need Darius to be able to hit threes uh, in this game. Because, you know, you have a Brogdon, you have these guys who are, you know, the consistent guards, they have depth at the guard position and they have guys who can handle the ball and they have guys who can shoot the ball. So I think the Pelicans really have to be able to hit some jump shots uh, against Milwaukee because it's going to be very difficult on the glass. You know, when you bring in a Plumlee, you bring in a, a Thon maker, you're bringing in, you know, a Jabari Parker, you, they have so much length. So it's going to be very difficult for the Pelicans to beat them on the glass. So they're going to have to hit shots. And, and I think, you know, Ollie's right. Anthony's going to have to have a, another supernatural performance. And Drew can't score less than 25. And he's going to have to keep people involved. And he's going to have to defend again. So there's a lot of pressure on, on the two stars. But the, the Miritich and Miller are going to have to hit shots. It's that, I think it's that simple. 
Yeah, and uh, just to go further into Jabari Parker, only averaging 18 minutes, nine points, and three and a half rebounds in that span. So hopefully he doesn't have a breakout game against the Pelicans. Uh, That's pretty much going to do it for now. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, do us a favor. We need some ratings. We've got got more downloads by the thousands per rating. I I think we're at 80,000 downloads and 85 ratings. So if you guys haven't already, do us a favor. Go ahead into your Apple Podcast app, search the bird calls, Click on the album cover, go all the way to the bottom and give us five stars or do it on iTunes on your desktop. That's actually a lot easier to do it that way. Uh, before I let you go, let's get some predictions. I want to hear you guys say 2-0. and Ali, what's yours? Well, I said 2-0 last, last podcast, so I'm not allowed to go on that limb anymore. I said 1-1. One one. I'm going to stick to it. But real quick, I got to mention Malcolm Brogdon's out, guys. Six to eight weeks with a torn tendon. So oh, wow. That's right. Yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot too. Thanks for keeping us in check. That's uh, one less playmaker the Pelicans will have to deal with on Sunday. David, do you think we can go 2-0? and I think I'm going to have to be with Ali on this one day, 1-1. One one. Um, yeah, that, that Milwaukee just looks that, – that depth is just a, just a big red flag for me. But Phoenix Phoenix looked horrible. So, I mean, the other, last night. So, Phoenix should be a, a welcome respite uh, on Monday night. But uh, Milwaukee looks really tough. All right, we'll see what happens. For now, uh, Ali Cosell, follow him at Ali Cosell and David Grubb at DM Grubb. I'm your host, Preston Ellis. Follow me at Preston Ellis. Uh, before we let you guys go again, Ali, uh, you've got some great stuff on thebirdrights.com. Anything you want to plug? No, not really. I just press on. I'm going to use this time to ask you for your prediction. What are the Pelicans going to go in these next two games? Uh I mean, in, in typical, uh, in, in Michael McNamara fashion, he would have us winning against the Bucks and then falling short against Alfred Payton and the Devin Booker-led uh, Suns. But I, I think something's developing here. I'm going to ride this wave. I, I want the Pelicans at the forefront of the national media storylines. I want the guys at the Ringer and ESPN backpedaling uh, from their their earlier predictions <laughs> after DeMarcus Cousins. Their, their LeBron James, like even stuff today. You know who would look great in Cleveland? Anthony Davis. I'm tired of it. I want these guys to create some distance now before the schedule gets a lot tougher come in April. We've got a lot of Houston Rockets and Golden State Warriors on the docket coming up. So it's it's time to create some distance, make some leeway, uh, catch up to some of these guys in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh seed. And the Pelicans are playing like they're not going to back down. And the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, so too, are in a dogfight over in the East. But if the Pelicans can bring in this energy, I, I don't think there's a lot of teams in either conference that can take them down. And, and Anthony Davis has that eye of the tiger right now. He keeps it close enough. We get into the fourth quarter, and then he takes over. And while, while it might just be uh, fangirling, I, I want it to continue, and I'm going to believe that it's going to continue before we get to the San Antonio Spurs next Wednesday, and that would be a good time to to pump the brakes. Uh, Greg Popovich always poses such a problem for these guys, but with the way the Pelicans have been playing, who knows? So I'm going to say it's going to be, uh, let's say, 115 to 112, the Pelicans, and then the Phoenix Suns. Uh, let's let's create some distance and and get some rest for our guys, and we'll just say that it's going to be a nice 108 to 97. Uh, and, and hopefully we'll get to see a bit of our boy, Alfred Payton, who, uh, of course, Kevin Berrios is enthralled with. Uh, uh, David, do you have anything that you want to plug before we let you go? Of course, he writes for CrescentCitySports.com. Well, I don't want to plug anything, but I, I just think that, you know, I, I, if talking to the Pelicans fans, you know, you get a lot of feedback on people. Um, of course, we all do on social media, and some of it is um, insightful, and some of it is very emotional. And you understand that because that's how fans are. Um, I think 
what you want fans to understand, what I would like fans to understand when they observe the games right now is that, you know, it's not about pretty. It's not about pretty for 20, with 24 games left in the season. It's how can they fight their way through this, especially at home. So what I, I just really want to see um, down the stretch is pay attention to what are they doing with the rest of this home schedule because they're ahead of the pace on the road. You know, winning in Milwaukee at this stage would be a bonus because at 16 wins on the road for the season, you're in a very good position. But I, I think winning at home last night um, is something that that should carry over. And if they can start to string together home wins, more than to me than having a long consecutive win streak, I'd like to see them string together those home wins. And I think then you you, you really can start to get excited about this team. Some interesting notes. The the last game I want to say in mid-December, Anthony Davis had 25 and 10. Etwan Moore had 21, 5, and 4. And for the Milwaukee Bucks, of course, Giannis had 32 and 9 in 42 minutes. So have to expect another heavy workload. Uh DeAndre Liggins played 18 minutes in that contest and got seven points. Uh so we'll we'll see what he what he wants to do against his old squad. Uh for now, I'm Preston Ellis. Thank you guys for your ratings. Of course, subscribe retweet thank you to ali thank you to david grubb we'll probably be back with you guys on tuesday recapping the weekend and hopefully at 34 and 26 that ties us with the the i want to say the the fifth seeded thunder at this point two wins things are going to get pretty exciting in new orleans for now i'm preston ellis thank you guys for listening let's go pals You have been listening to The Bird Calls. Thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, do us one more favor. Go to iTunes, subscribe, and rate our podcast today. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance.